Welcome to Habs Unfiltered. This independent podcast is featured on the Hockey Writers and iHeartRadio, bringing you honest and unfiltered entertainment and discussion on the Montreal Canadiens and hockey news. Your hosts, Matt Smith, Treg Wilson, and Blaine Putney are proud to be one of your trusted sources. If you are talking about it, so are we. Welcome to Habs Unfiltered, your home for Montreal Canadiens news, information, and entertainment. Hosted by the hockey writers Blaine Pudvang, All Habs Matt Smith, and Treg Toxic Wilson. Our goal is to provide you unfiltered discussion and entertainment. Sit back and enjoy. Are you in the market for quality sticks and equipment you can afford? There is a no-frills, no-nonsense company that wants to provide that to you, No Name Hockey. No Name Hockey is a small Canadian company started by former pro player Jason Goulet. When he retired, he searched for sticks that felt like when he was a pro but could never find the right one or one that was reasonably priced. So he decided to start No Name Hockey. Now No Name offers high-quality, customized sticks at a fair price. They won't try to wow you with a fancy name. They will focus on providing you a pro-stock quality stick that you can afford. The cost of sticks has gone through the roof due to sponsorships and licensing fees. No Name Hockey makes sticks for the no-names and players currently making a name. And welcome to Habs Unfiltered. I am your host, Blaine Pudbay, and I am joined now by Matt Smith. Hey, guys. And Treg Toxic Wilson. Hey, what's going on? So we've had a, a little bit of a busy week. I mean, last week, uh, sadly, we didn't have Treg with us. How is everything going at home now, Treg? Oh, everything's good. It's good now. I had uh, uh, My mother had fallen, so I had to deal with that, and she's... On the elderly side, so uh, you know, personal stuff sometimes takes supersedes stuff like this. Well, that's good to hear that everything's okay and under control. Um, so this episode, Treg, you uh, you interviewed Jason Paul. I did, yeah. A good uh, interview with Jason Paul, a colleague of yours with the Hockey Writers. Um, he uh, also has this program out called Versus, where you can stack teams together and go over almost every statistical uh, statistic that's out there and compare it per team to see which team is uh, better at what. And he also has a program now where you can do it with players. So we talked about that for a bit. Uh, we talked about the trade deadline and what the future holds for the Montreal Canadiens. Well, that's good. Uh, I know Jason uh, is a big fan of Nick Suzuki as well. So he's he's even compared him to uh, Steve Eiserman. Ooh, that's a big comparison. I know, but big. Uh, yeah. But for this segment, we're gonna have uh, we have a fan question. We've got a couple of uh, uh, some news items that we're gonna go over, and then we'll we'll just start chucking crap at each other. So um, if you guys don't mind, I'll just dive right in and start with the news. Sure. Okay. Matt, you you cool with that? Yeah, you go right ahead. Okay, just check and make sure you weren't napping. Not yet. You'll hear me. 
<laughs> he is Air Force, so yeah, you, know, you got to check in on that stuff. <laughs> I know. They disappear sometimes and take naps. That's how we do. That's why they call them Chair Force. <laughs> All right, so uh, we'll just dive into the news of the day. Uh, it was announced today via RDS. Um, the AHL All-Star Game is going to be held in Laval in 2021. So that's big news. Uh, Rocket fans in, in Laval are going to get to enjoy the All-Star Weekend. Uh, I think that's that's uh, that's going to be a pretty good weekend for uh, people in Montreal to go check out. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, uh, maybe uh, Ferk or Halifax boy here or Moosehead boy will break another record. Yeah, if he's still in the if he's still in the AHL, maybe, maybe. It was nice to see the Mooseheads do a little bit of domination at the AHL level. Well, yeah, because they're not dominating anything at the Q level, so it's an off year. It's just an off year. Rebuilding, rebuilding. Cam Russell's got it. Yeah, well, he's made some pretty good trades. Yeah. All right, and the next bit of uh, housekeeping. Um, so. The ECHL expansion deadline has come and gone. Uh, now there is no chance for a new ECL, ECHL franchise for next season for the Canadians. Now, I've got some connections down in Trois-Rivières, and I wrote an article on the Canadians' minor league system for the hockey writers, and some of the information I was able to put together, uh, it, it, I think our listeners benefit from hearing it. So, uh, Mayor Jean Amalche uh, claims to have received con- uh, conflicting reports from the Canadians. Um, the one public statement the Canadians have had from the beginning, and it has not changed, and no other public statement has been made, is that the Canadians are willing to commit to becoming a principal associate for an ECHL franchise in Trois-Rivières. Point final, no other, no, uh, no other information has come out other than they want a team there. So um, the conflicting claims that uh, Mayor Jean Lamarche claims to have heard uh, was that um, he was given a conflicting report from a different uh, vice president, France Bélanger. Um, so the conflicting report there was that she had mentioned to the council and the mayor that uh, the Canadians were not interested in working with uh, Dean McDonald of the uh, Newfoundland Growlers, who was also helping with uh, bringing an ECHL franchise there. So what this means now is that Trois-Rivières is apparently supporting a youth sport bid for l'Université de Québec, Trois-Rivières, as a front runner for being the main tenant, uh, which no doubt is a PR nightmare for the Quebec uh, hockey powerhouse Montreal Canadiens. Uh the issue I see with that is um, if that is really the desire of the mayor to bring in UQTR, uh, for a city that doesn't want to pay subsidies to prop up a management of their new rink, bringing a U sports team as a principal tenant, a team that only attracts something close to 500 people maybe uh, per game with a season of about 14 games, uh, home games that is, uh, while excluding a professional franchise, which is supported by one of the richest hockey franchises in the world, uh, which also has Evenco, which is a uh, an entertainment group that which can add concert dates. They can 
They can help with the management. They can pay for the management. Um, none of this makes financial sense. I mean, I don't know what you guys think, but I think this is this is just poor management. Uh, the Canadians didn't help themselves, but the mayor is not seeming to help himself either. For me, it looks like it would have been the perfect scenario for the Canadians to finally be able to take control of their uh, of their prospect pool instead of taking guys like McNiven and shopping them around the ECHL to to any team that has an opening. So it's if you know if if that's the way that it's going to be, it's it's really disappointing for the uh, for the future of some of these young kids. Uh, yeah, uh, especially in McNiven's, uh, it really hurts the development of McNiven if he's only playing like every like once every two weeks or something silly like that. So, uh, they really, I, I feel they really need an ECHL club to, uh, to help with their, uh, development. See, I, I completely agree. I wrote, uh, I wrote an entire article on just this, uh, bringing in a, a multi-tiered farm system and yeah, McNiven's been shuttled around. I mean, he's played about 19 games so far this year and, but it's been with like, three or four different teams. So like Matt said, being shuttled around, that, not, that is not helping him. Not to mention, you know, you're, if you have injuries, you need to make call-ups. Well, who do you call up? They're going to have to put PTOs out to just about anyone. Now, the quality of player that you get on these PTOs may not be as good as somebody you've already drafted. So having your own ECHL team really helps on, in that aspect as well. Uh, but also... Um, there is an option that's available to them if they can sweeten the pot. Uh, there's a uh, one independent team left in the ECHL, and that's the Norfolk Admirals, and they do not have an affiliation. So maybe they could throw a couple bags of money at Norfolk and gain themselves an affiliation for a couple of years, which would buy them time to set themselves up in Trois-Rivières. Just a thought. Yeah, it's, it's, it's possible. Like, wh- why not? If there's already a team there, why not use it? Yeah. They just have to be like the Admirals or something instead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, uh, we're, we're going to move on from uh, that depressing scenario. And we have a fan question. We have fans. We have fans. Or fan. So... Ryan Rebulkin, uh, at Ryan Rebulkin, uh, his question is, who do we trade and what can we hope from doing so? The other half of that question is, is the idea of a rebuild a feasible option? And do we have enough good enough, good enough young players now? So uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave it to you, Matt, to kick that off. All right, so the question of do we have enough young players now, I'd say absolutely. Um, you see, you've seen what Kakaniemi can do uh, when he's healthy. Um, Suzuki's been a, a very surprising player for uh, for a lot of fans out there this year. Uh, Fleury kind of came out of nowhere as well. Then you've got guys like um, uh, Juleson, who are hopeful you're going to be back to health soon. So you are getting that injection of youth into the lineup. Um Personally, what I think is is the Canadians need some they need, they need some skill on their team, and uh, there's a lot of people right now that are saying, "We'll take advantage of Tatar. He's having such a good season. Let's get rid of Tatar and we'll get this, or let's get rid of Domi. He's going to be an RFA. We'll get this. 
we'll trade Jeff Petrie, we'll get this. The problem with doing that is you're trading skill when you're looking for skill, and you're just going to find yourself back in the same predicament looking for skill. So the only the, the thing is the players that they're likely going to trade right now are guys like Nate Thompson, possibly someone like a Dale Weiss, a Jordan Wheel, uh, a Nick Cousins, um, maybe uh, like a Marco Scandella, those kind of guys, possibly even Kovalchuk. Um, you're not going to get a lot back for these players in terms of getting another player back. And uh, the Canadians right now, they're almost at that roster limit. They're at, they're at 49 to 50 contracts. So it's not like they can bring a lot back. They've got cap space. They can also use that as, as an advantage um, to possibly bring in a, a dead contract from, uh, from another team, from a contender to help them out to facilitate another deal. Um, the problem is with bringing in all these draft picks is the Canadians have been draft heavy over the last couple of years. I believe they've had somewhere like 21 picks or something like that. You go into this year, they've got 11. So if they use all those picks, if they use all those 11 picks this year, that's 32 draft picks in a span of three years. When you can only have 50 contracts at a, at a time, where the hell are you going to put all these players? Yes, it's good to have that youth in the system. Yes, it's good to have a good prospect pool. It's good to have all these drafted players. But I think it's time to look at some of these draft picks that you have. Start flipping them for actual players that can play now, or the guys that are really close to uh, that are really close to uh, to making the jump to the NHL. And uh, you know, stop stockpiling these picks, and uh, you know, put put a team on the ice that that can uh, that can you know they can put put asses in the seat pretty much you know like um we're so used to seeing a sellout to the bell center and there's been reports of uh you know uh, not having a sellout this this game or not having a sellout this game like we're not as bad as the senators obviously but um you know when i watch a game on uh on tsn or sportsnet and i see empty seats you know it kind of makes you shake your head as a canadian fan Uh, what about you, Treg? Uh, I think the Canadi- Canadians right now are the sixth youngest team in the NHL, and that's after they acquired Kovalchuk. Uh, youth, I don't think, is the problem. Uh, the problem is is the youth isn't ready right now. Like They don't have anyone except maybe Suzuki who can step in right now and make a difference. Um, the Habs shouldn't rebuild because I think Rebuilding is going to set them back another five, six years. I think they're two or three play key players away from being a annual playoff team, like one where you're not a bubble team. Like this team should make, you know, if they don't make the playoffs, there's something seriously wrong. Uh, two, three good players and in, in, in depth, of course. But uh, that's what you get with uh, a couple good players. I think they're just a, a uh, yeah, they're they're two. High level players. I'm not going to say elite, but they're too high level. They need a finisher and like uh, someone that's not like Gal- uh, Gallagher. They need a finisher that's going to be, you know, be able to to do that power play. Something like what a young Kovalchuk was. Um, and, and Matt's kind of right. Like get rid of Tatar, get rid of Petrie. You're not going to get 
anything for Tatar and Petrie except draft picks, in my opinion. And, and if that's what you're going to do, then like you said, you're just why why are you stockpiling picks? Like, and if the team wants to make the playoffs next year, and we've said this before on the show, you make your team in June and July. You don't make your team in December. Uh, if he has a plan to make the playoffs next year, then June and July is a spot where he got to start saying, okay, I got to put this team together so these young guys can start picking up their game. Like, if they're going to trade anyone, I think it's going to be Thompson, Cousins, Wheel, maybe Kulak, someone like that. It's not going to be anyone major. It's not going to be maybe Scandella or Kovalchuk because they're UFAs, and Kovalchuk has said he wants to play on a uh, on a contender. So, to me, I, I think this team's young enough. I, I don't think they need to get any younger. I think what they need is to get more quality. Fair. Or, that's that's or fair. Le- or at least NHL ready, younger quality players like Caulfield, KK, uh, even Flurry, and them guys. They're not a Romanoff like Romanoff and Caulfield. We don't even know if they'll be on the team next year. Um, do we really want them on the team next year? Like if like I'm kind of a notion of if they make it, if they if they they prove in trading in uh, in. Uh, in the preseason that they can make the team, then sure, put them on the team because you can always put them down later. But we don't know. We don't know what's going on with either one of them. So, And, and that's the issue if you trade Petrie. Who's replacing Petrie? You, you left a giant hole on the left side. Now you have a giant hole on the right side. Okay. Well, um, now, obviously, I agree with you guys that all the, uh, the UFAs to be are fair game. Trade them all. It really... That makes no difference. Uh, <clears throat> uh, the value that you'll get back, like you guys said, it's not going to be anything major. It'll probably just end up being a lot more picks. You know, at most, maybe they get a second out of something at best. Um, Scandella might get you a second, maybe. Eh, no. Maybe. Eh. No, no, probably not even. Kovalchuk no. will. Yeah. All these people thinking Kovalchuk's going to get you a second are dreaming because it's not going to happen. If you get a bidding war, maybe. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, it, either way, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I'm not talking about the value. Um, now, you guys mentioned Tatar and Petrie. Obviously, Price and Weber are staying, but uh, you made good points. Uh, I agree that you move Petrie, you leave a hole. And if you want to compete next year, uh, who can fill in Petrie's role as a second-pair right-handed defenseman for the Canadians next year. Juleson could have been that guy, but he's got health issues. We're not sure what's going on. So there's that massive question mark. Fleury's not ready. Uh, Brooks not ready. Um, can you sign someone on the free agent market? Yeah, maybe, but he hasn't exa- uh, Bergman hasn't exactly been lighting the world on fire with his UFA signings. So he's going to stay unless someone offers something ridiculous, like a, you know a top 10 pick and a, you know, their top prospect and, you know, the firstborn, uh, the kingdom of, I don't know, Zod, I, whatever. Just some if, crazy, if, crazy If they thing. get a, a Pacioretty type deal, yeah, yeah, I say go for it. But you're not going to get that for Petrie or Tatar at the trade deadline. Well, and here's what I was getting at with Tatar. Um, I'm working on something right now where my, I'm 
I'm putting it. It's like a like a mental exercise. Yeah, let's trade this guy. What'll happen? So with Tatar, that's a different scenario than Petrie. With Tatar, you have depth along the left wing. So there's still Drouet. There's still Domi, who's going to be moved to the left wing because Suzuki, as you guys mentioned, he's stepping up and he's playing a bigger role. Uh, even Paling, who's on the left wing, he may end up as a power forward on the left wing. So you have that. You have Lekkinen. Uh, there's there's prospects coming. So you could move Tatar. So let's say you do. You bring in a, a first and a prospect because if you move him at the deadline, contending teams don't want to give away roster players. So that just adds a little bit more youth. Maybe, maybe that helps. I don't know. But it, it's it's more the timing of it. So Tatar's 29. You, you make the team a little bit younger up front. You have you have these picks and prospects. You can focus on build, if, you know picking some defensemen to help out in, in a, a couple of years. Romanov is one guy I think is going to come over next year. That could help. Uh, Scandella may stay. And with Romanov and Scandella, with, uh, that, that would mean Mete is available now for a trade. You can use him to maybe trade for to fill another gap. You know, uh, a hockey deal. So these are the things that you're looking at. Um, do we have enough young players? I'm with you guys. The youth is good, but it, like the number of youth is good. But I agree with with Treg. The skill needs to be upgraded. So this is the thing. I don't think having Tatar here next year really makes a dent in the playoff chances, whether he's here or not. I don't think it's it's neither here nor there. I think the team's a playoff team when healthy. Like, I, and that's the thing. They need more the, depth. That they, but they need depth, and with that depth, whether it doesn't matter how old they are, even the young guys, if the young guys like KK and Paling and had the skill to cover the Druins and the Armias and stuff like that, like right now, I'm not saying they won't have it two years down the road, right? I'm saying they don't have it right now. If they had that skill to jump in there, we wouldn't have this issue. Exactly. And, but, but we do have this issue. We have all kinds of, we have the top five prospect pool, but these prospects are not today NHLers. Not I, I mean, many. I'm not, I'm not saying KK and Paling and Flurry because they are playing in the NHL. I meant, uh, sort of looking impact today, NHL players. They have the potential to be just not right now. They're also, I don't think they're also being, I don't think they're being used right by Julian too. But that's just that, that's, that's another enough, that that's yeah. another story. Now, I've been hearing a lot of the uh, a lot of this. Well, if we were healthy, we would be in the playoffs, which I agree. A perfect like last year. Last year they they were barely injured and they just missed. Had they had that season this year, they would be in a play. They would make the playoffs with ninety six points. But yeah. um, I keep hearing the excuses of. Or the uh, the rebuttals to that excuse, saying, you know, other teams have a whole bunch more man games lost, and they're still in the playoffs. Well, I think that's a little that's intellectually dishonest because you're not taking into account the impact of the number of injuries and who's injured. Like when you're missing four of your top nine forwards, and your whole offensive scheme is built on rolling your four lines and spreading out your offense, well, that's going to make an impact. I'm sorry. I mean, I, I get it. Pittsburgh lost, <laughs> lost Crosby for a long time, but they have Malkin. 
So they also know. didn't have those players oh together at the same time for a, a long period of time. Yes, well, no, some I mean, of them some of them overlapped, but it wasn't like they lost Crosby, Genso, Latang, and whoever all at the same time. Well, they did have like, Gensel and Crosby out for a while together. But, but it wasn't really that long because uh, Gensel got hurt. Like 10 games? Like just be- maybe, right? Like, but they have Malkin and they have, you know, these other players. They have the depth to step into those roles, and that's what Montreal doesn't have. Yeah, and, like, and they if have you look, the- at, look at Toronto. Look at Toronto right now. When they had everyone healthy, they were clicking. Now they're missing two defensemen. There, it's just two defensemen. It can't be that big of a deal. It's just two guys. Well, they're their two best defensemen. So if you're missing yeah. Riley and Muzzin, now they're out of a playoff spot. They're just outside the playoffs because they had to deal with losing both Riley and Muzzin for an extended period. That's the problem in Montreal. It's not that you know number of man games lost. That's That is a dishonest method of arguing the point i've it's, heard it's a, a lot talent. of people say it it's talent it's skill it's the talent lost yeah the impact you can yeah. say that drouin scored most of his points on the third line great but he was scoring points on the third line with yeah. him gone who's scoring points on the third line no one lekkonen He's on the second line because everybody's <laughs> out hurt. That's my point. Yeah. This is the point I'm getting at. So if your argument is to use, well, man games lost total, the Canadians are doing better uh, or aren't doing as bad as others. Yeah, you're you're being dishonest. You're purposely deceiving others in your argument. It's the impact of the skill level loss. Because like I said with Toronto, they lost their two best defensemen and they took a dip. Now Muzzin's coming back. Uh, I think the Leafs are going to be uh, see a jump because of that. They're going to move their way back into the playoffs. And as Riley comes back, you're going to see a much better Toronto Maple Leafs hockey team. It it just goes without saying. Your best players are there and they're healthy. You'll do good. They also <laughs> have they also have the greatest porn star that ever starred in hockey in uh, Austin Matthews. So <laughs> you mean you mean uh, Ron uh, Ron little Ron Jeremy. Ron Burgundy. He's more like Ron Jeremy. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, It's an argument that goes through through Twitter is the whole don't use it as an excuse. It's not an excuse. It's a fact. The fact is Montreal lost the skill when they lost these injured players. The fact is with with these injured players in, they're a playoff team. The fact, fact. Is, the fact is they don't have enough skill. So these, exactly. these guys missing exposes the underlying fact that there is not enough depth on this team. Yeah. And and if you go back to the whole rebuild reset thing, either way, like another argument that um, I'm tired of on, on, on Twitter is we can't handle missing four or five. Well, if you can't handle missing four or five, you're going to have a mediocre team forever. If you can't handle missing a few playoff years to build a contender, you're, 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 you complain that the teams are mediocre, but then you complain they don't make the playoffs. Well, what do you want? Well, do you do want you the want... team just sneaking in and losing in the first round and three, uh, it, it, you know, having two home yeah. games and they're gone? Or do you or want do you a team want a contending go? Team. Yeah. Do you want yeah. a team that can actually win a couple of series? Right. So, to me, 
I'm okay with this four or five because I look at it and say, well, last year was an anomaly. 96 points, they don't make the playoffs. Really? You know, that's only happened twice in the cap era. The the two years ago, Price got injured, and they were the top team in the league until Price got injured, and they missed by 12 points or something like that. So Price is healthy, they're in. Well, this year, if they're healthy, they're in. So it's not that they're not a playoff team. It's not that the team is so horrible they can't make the playoffs. It's just the team is a bubble team, which we've been saying for over for two years now. The team is a bubble team, and they're, that means that they, they can make the playoffs with what they have if they stay healthy and everything goes according to plan. Now they got to add that depth. That's where Bergevin yeah. has to start adding that depth, start getting those skilled players, so that now we can say we're a playoff team. The question is, can we win the cup? Well, and here's here's where the whole rebuild, retool crap comes into play. Matt made a good point. There is a shitload of prospects on their way. If you count this year's uh, draft, there's about 32 draft picks over the last three seasons. So the last three drafts, including the one that's coming up, they'll have had 32 prospects picked. Now, if you really want to be a competitive team, you gotta you gotta get a couple of home runs in the later rounds. Well, the best way to get a home run is get a ton of swings. The more swings yeah. you have, the better chance you have of hitting a home run. So if you have thirty later round picks, maybe you get one big home run swing. So yeah, we're we're not gonna sign all these guys, but the chances that we actually find a gem is a lot higher than had it been before back in the years when uh, all these reports are being made, you know, look at all the, the draft busts in the first round. Well, all those years, the Canadians were picking like four, five, six times at most in those seasons. So, yeah, you're not going to be developing NHL picks from there. Now, the way it's going, you're going to have a few guys coming up. Sure, they'll be bottom six guys, but you'll find that one. Maybe that Romanov is that one guy who will show up as a second round pick and be able to play in a top pair. Yep. No. And uh, well, all things point to that happening. Point to it. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm confident that he'll be a top four player. Uh, but he also has 32 picks where he can pick and choose and say which ones do we think are going to make it, and which ones do we think we need to move on. So this is where it comes back to Bergevin again. What are you going to do with all these picks? You're not going to develop them all. You're not going to. They're not no. all going to turn out to what you need to be. So you got to start. And really, he only has a couple years to start because, I mean, if he keeps going, well, I'm not mortgaging the future. I'm not mortgaging the future. I'm not mortgaging the future. Well, the future got to start coming. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you well, see what was, you're doing. He was, he was talking about that. It. He was talking about the future uh, not that long ago. He's talking about competing for the playoffs all the time. And in the Friedman's 31 thoughts, he mentioned how the Canadians are looking at competing in 2020 or 2021 playoffs. Like, uh, like Matt said, I mean, how can anyone be surprised by this? I mean, MB, uh, you know, he's, he's publicly stated over and over. He wants to remain competitive while building. Um, you fans want a transparency. He's telling you exactly what he's doing. I'm but, he has no, but he has no plan, Blaine. He has no, no. plan. Well, but this is my point. 
He is telling us what the plan is. You can disagree with the plan all you want. There's not there's parts of it that I think is stupid, but yeah. it's it's plainly obvious what he's doing. He has told people what he's doing, and he is doing it. So you want a transparency? Here it is. He made the statement: "I want to stay competitive while rebuilding." <clears throat> or call it whatever you want, rebuild, retool, whatever. He wants to be competitive. But And this is the issue in Montreal because then you have those fans, like I mentioned before, who saying, we can't, how dare we miss four or five playoffs? Okay, you don't want to miss four or five playoffs yet, so you want to make the playoffs every team, yet you complain that the team doesn't win any Stanley Cups. Well, the same, the same people <laughs> that are complaining about missing four or five are the same ones that were complaining that the Canadians were a mediocre team when they were winning, exactly. uh, winning all those uh, uh, regular season division titles, which mean nothing, to be honest. And, <clears throat> pardon me, and, and, making, and making it to the second round and the third round once. So yeah. they're good teams, but they weren't winning cups. And they were complaining yeah, about that. Because they were mediocre teams. Well, they were. They were missing parts. Yeah. <laughs> they were missing yeah. parts. So this, missing the playoffs, is how you get those higher draft picks and you get the better chance at getting the better player who, once they arrive, improve the team and you can finally have a team that can actually do something in the playoffs. Like, I, I mean, I do see the argument where, well, if you're always going to pick 14th or 15th, you're really not getting that marquee player. But in the lottery... It doesn't really matter where you finish now because you still have the opportunity to move up somewhere. And this year's draft, it's pretty deep to about 12, 15, 20 anyway. So you're, I think Montreal is going to pick around 9th or 10th. So they're kind of going to get a pretty good player this year anyhow. But you got Drysdale sitting there at around, uh, who's supposed to be around 9. Right he's at 3. He's at three now. On some people's list, yes. On some people's list, yeah. But so, I like. I'm with you. I like. I like Bayfield myself. I think if Montreal gets a top three Byfield? pick, they should yeah. pick Bay, Byfield. Yeah, that's who I think. I don't. I think Lafernier or whatever the hell Lafreniere. you say his name, Lafreniere. I think. Uh, I don't think he's going to do well in Montreal. I just don't. What do you so think, Matt? But. You've been quiet for a while. Um, I'm looking at that German kid to be honest, because nobody's really talking about him. That uh, Stutzel. Stutzel, yeah, I think he's. Uh, I think he's going to surprise a lot of people. But isn't he another small forward though? Yeah, I think so. Well, he's 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 on the smaller side, but he's still above six feet. Because I, I I think Montreal needs a power. If they're going to draft, they should draft a power forward. Personally, yeah. or 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 a defenseman or a top four defenseman. Awesome. Well, what power forward is available? In the top ten, well, I think well, Byfield, I think, but well, they're not going to get him. You got to get to you got to get to two for him. Yeah, that's Maybe what I'm two. saying. You're not going to get. But yeah. I, I'm just saying what I think they need to draft. Whether they are able to draft it, however, I think this draft they should draft a best player available and not to need two. So, no. Kotkin enemy, they drafted to a need. I think this year they got to draft best player available. They probably will. They probably will. But if you're looking at um, a tendency. Uh, I would expect Timmons to pick a few right-handed defensemen in this draft because there's there's a need for that in the system. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with Treg. I'm kind of looking for best player available draft. Like they've, the last couple of years, it's like, let's go get centers, let's go get left-handed D, et cetera. You know, this team needs skill. And if it's uh, a left-handed D is the, the best available player, 
I'm not talking about maybe the first round, but you know, you're looking at two, three, four, et cetera. You go, you go with the best player available. Well, if the Canadians yeah. are going to stick around, say nine, 10 ish, um, one guy I think that could be a game breaker for the, especially for the Canadians is a guy like Holtz. Um, him, he's on that. Uh, him and Raymond were on the the Swedish team. They're the ones that pretty much drove all the offense. And Raymond plays pro over in Frölunda. Uh, is it Frölunda? Yeah, Raymond's in Frölunda, Fr- Fr- and uh, Holtz is in uh, Dierigergen. Yeah, there we go. And he so they're they're already playing professional hockey, and I think his numbers are pretty good actually. And he's he's a big kid. He's about six foot six foot one. You know, he's. I'm just looking up his numbers now, and yeah, yeah, playing in the the top league. He's got 12 points in 26 games, so that's pretty good for a 17 year old playing against men in a pro league. Who's still growing? Who's still growing? So, and he plays he plays a uh, a game where he's he's willing to go to those dirty areas, kind of like what you see with Suzuki, but a better shooter, not as good of a passer. You know, he's not as cerebral. He's He's a winger who likes to shoot, and he likes to shoot from everywhere, but really loves to shoot from inside. So, so this was a yeah. long-winded, uh, <laughs> a bit long-winded for a segment, but. Um, <laughs> so no, I know, I know what I know what you mean, but like yeah. as Treg said, like if you want to, if you want to power forward. The only power forward that you're really looking at is Blyfield. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the juniors, he did not play a power forward role. He really did. Line. Yeah, but he didn't, um, you know, for a guy that's his size playing playing in uh, playing in the juniors, I would expect him to be a little bit more uh, dominant. And, uh, you know, fourth line or not, he didn't really stand out for me. Well, no, it, the World Juniors is more of a 19-year-old tournament, and he's Absolutely. 17. He's Absolutely. a 17-year-old, so um, his real coming out party is going to be next year's. But uh, if you watched him play in the OHL, I'm sure you have. Uh, I've seen I've seen him play there many times as well. He is impressive to watch. It is <laughs> it's something else. The skill, the speed, his size, his ability to uh, oh, it, he's got everything you need to be a big centerman who could dominate a game. Sign him. Sign him right now. Done. Done deal. Done. Anyway, uh, we, we'll stop this segment here. I think we've rambled quite enough. Um, we're going to take I think a Matt was. Break. I think Matt was eating nachos the whole time. I don't think he was. I think he's... <laughs> he's he, I think he's just sitting back. You're like, yeah, what's on Pornhub right now? What's... Uh... <laughs> Pornhub? You mean Red Tube? Whatever. I don't know. Air Force. Air Force has Red Tube. Air Force. That's right. Red Tube. That's no, right. we, no, we've got Brazzers. <laughs> Brazzers. <laughs> I make that. I make spec pay. I can afford that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah, there uh, you go. There you go. Matt's a pervert. Anyway. Oh, we don't. We don't get the bandwidth on the warships that the Air yeah. Force can get. Yeah. We don't. We don't uh, get to stay in five star hotels. Yeah, yeah, this just in. Uh, Habs unfiltered uh, new uh, new promotion is uh, <laughs> the Brazzers. <laughs> now sponsored by. 
Well, I hope so. That's good money. <laughs> Speaking of promotions, oh. SeatGiant.ca. If you want to go to a concert, check out a hockey game. Maybe you want to go to a different kind of show. Go to SeatGiant.ca, drop the code UNFILTERED20, and you will get 35% off any fees when you book your tickets. And that's anywhere in the country. That is anywhere in the country. Any tickets sold on SeatGiant.ca, promo code UNFILTERED20, gets you 35% off your your purchase, the... Uh, uh, the cost of purchasing the ticket. So not 35% off the ticket, but the fees involved with purchasing the ticket from Sea Giant. Uh, yeah. We're bam. trying to save you money. That's what we do. That's what we do. So uh, we're going we're gonna to stop the segment here. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. And when we come back, Treg has his interview with Jason Paul of the uh, Wave Intel of versus dot uh, was it versus dot ca uh, I think so yeah uh oh <laughs> and yes. the hockey versus. writers yeah my colleague at the hockey writers I'm sorry Jason it's my fault I I I had a little space cadet moment I was distracted by Brazzers earlier I <laughs> I apologize he he plugs himself in the interview so everything will be in the interview there you go. <laughs> Speaking of browsers. <laughs> oh, my. <laughs> All right. So uh, we'll stop here. We'll have a commercial. And when we come back, Jason Paul joins Treg. Do you have a problem getting big city slams? Are you not getting the gains at the gym? Well, don't mortgage your future on rental supplements. Get Bergy Arms. Bergy Arms will get you the gains you need. Bergy Arms gets rid of all the bad attitude and builds better character so you can get the gains you need. Get Bergy Arms, Bergy Arms, Bergy Arms today. Not a real project, mate. May make you trade your favorite player for a mountain man. Do not use, if you're healthy, if you want to loyalty, buy a dog. Welcome to Back from Habs Unfiltered. I'm here with uh, Jason Paul, a writer for the uh, Hockey Writers. Uh, and uh, he has a program out called uh, Versus, which uh, I believe compares player stats with other players to see how good or bad they are compared to their counterparts. Is that right there, Jason? Or yeah. That? yeah, that's perfect. That's right. I do some writing for uh, the hockey writers with the Habs, uh, writing for the Habs, and I also do uh, some writing for Boston Hockey Now uh, for the Bruins. So I guess that's a bit of a, a little bit of a clash, but I try to make that work. <laughs> so you're... So like our counterpart here on Habs Unfiltered, Blaine Podfit, you both write for the Habs for the hockey writers. So there's a bit of a uh, six degrees of separation here with yeah, uh, yeah. The, the podcast. In, uh, guys. Yeah, I've gotten so, to know him uh, uh, a lot better in the past few weeks since he started writing for the hockey yeah. writers. Right, that's good. So tell us about what this uh, Versus uh, program you have going on does. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's it's been a year. I, I started this a year ago. I think I was on Twitter maybe starting a year and a half ago. Um, uh, I've got an economics and statistical background in school. And uh, in my day job, I, I've uh, done a lot of project management with uh, IT and um, that kind of stuff. And so I, I'm kind of interested in the numbers side of things. And... Um, I love what some of the hockey community is doing on online, 
and Twitter with with these great graphs that they're doing, and and I just thought I would kind of jump in. So, but the idea of uh, versus um, where uh, versus basically compares teams side by side, uh, and it also does players side by side as well. And the idea around that was to make it more like a more like an app, so that uh, that you know. I didn't have to recreate a new graph every time. So this was something that was all pre-set up, which was a lot of work. But now you just go in and select your players or select your teams, and it spits out, it's all the, spits out the uh, data for you. I basically um, did it for myself at first, right? Because when you try to analyze a player, I'm sure you've done the same thing at teams. You might, you might go to tsn.ca or nhl.com, and you're looking, you know, where do they rank for goals for – where do they rank for goals against? How does it compare against the league? How does it compare against a different team? I found myself doing that a lot, and and that was the reason I built these tools because it can just do it all without having to flip back and forth the different uh, websites and different uh, data sheets. It's all on one spot. So what kind of uh, what kind of stats are we looking at here? Like, are we looking at uh... Uh, are you getting into the very nitty gritty with like expected goals and stuff like that, or is it just your basic goals against average save percentage and so forth and so on? Yeah, I mean that was a that was a tough one when I started creating it. Um, that was the big question, right? It's like you can't just slap stats willy nilly comparing against each other, right? Um, and I found that um, the analytics community, if you can call that. Online, they're just amazing. These people, uh, hockey graphs and uh, um, Mika McCurdy and all these people, like these guys are like academic. They're 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 on the side of developing new statistics and <clears throat> doing all these great regression analysis and stuff. Like that. But I also found that the average fan has a bit of trouble with that, right? So I really, on one side, I wanted to understand better the analytics, the the deeper dive stuff. But at the same time, I wanted to make it a little bit more tangible for the average fan. Um, so I kind of melded both of them. I've got the advanced stats, and I also have some of the old school stats in there as well. So it can kind of give you, I think the idea there was, you know, I, I want to be able to see the power play percentage that is quoted on TV, but I also want to see the underlying stats for that. So I can be my, I can see the difference, right? That was the idea. Okay, yeah. Uh, and what did you, what, okay, I guess I should say, uh, what's the most surprising uh, thing you found comparing players? Like, uh, you know, did you find Crosby wasn't as good at something that you thought he was good at, or maybe this other player who you thought was bad at something excelled? Like, was there anything really surprising that jumped out at you or anything like that? Yeah, I think. One of the things, the biggest questions always is um, with the, with the underlying data like the Corsi, the shot attempts for, and the expected goals for, and expected goals against is first of all understanding that, and second of all, is it a good predictor of a good player or a good team? And what I've really found really fascinating is. You can hardly. You, it's very difficult to explain the really good players like Ovechkin, and uh, and then the, the teams as well. So, a good example of what you're asking there. What I found was, if you look at the underlying power play stats for um, the Tampa Bay Lightning, 
or the Washington Capitals, they're not very good. Like the, yeah. the shot attempts and the, the, but their output goals rate and the goals they score is unbelievable because they have so much skill. Yeah, I know it, it's it's I mean that's not rocket science, but I, I just like seeing that in the data and which kinds of what kind of makes it difficult to uh, interpret. You always have to put context to the to the data, and I think that's that helps when you see those kinds of difference. Be able to do it. So you're either if you don't have good scoring chances, but you're scoring a lot, you're either really good like Ovechkin or you're really lucky. Right? Yes. Yeah. You have to make that interpretation when you see the data. So it's like it's like the opposite of the Habs right now who are leading the league in shots but can't score a goal if their life depended on it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, it's exactly. This, this will be like two years in a row where they've scored been the league leaders in uh, or top five in shots yet bottom five in the shooting percentage so exactly so you got to start asking if you're a Habs fan you're asking yourself a question like why what's going on here like um and but that the extra analytics and the data might not answer the questions but at least it helps you explore and ask the right questions or different questions i guess so like that that's a good question if you're if you are always tilting the ice with the shot at, you know leading the shot attempts leading the expected goals but you're losing there's got to be something up there, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Like, and I noticed you brought up another thing, and this is something that I've I've argued on Twitter, and and stats aren't everything. You also have to watch the game and watch watch the things because many there's many reasons why a goal happens or a goal doesn't happen. Uh, and I guess the big cursor on that is Carey Price. Uh, you mentioned a few days ago about Price's numbers over the past three years. He's not really even in the top fifteen. I don't think of, of goalies when it comes to a lot of these stats, but yet yeah. you watch him and you still look at him as we still look, he's still incredible. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I, I think to me, that's the biggest, I don't know. It's not an issue, but it's the biggest thing I have is going, oh, if you look at the stats, maybe Kerry isn't the 10, you know what I mean? He's not yeah. the goalie we think he is, but when you watch the games, you're like, man, how can he not be the goalie we think he is? So, Yeah. But it leads you to ask the, that question, right? Okay, so yeah. if the stats are saying he's not great or he's average, and we watch him play and we think he's good, and a lot of, and the players say he's good. When the players yeah. say he's good, that's that's usually a red, not a red flag, but that's a flag saying something, right? Yeah. And I, when it comes to the Habs, the only thing I, you know, I can think of is that their breakdowns are just too big, you know. So yeah. And you know the timeliness of them and the quality of the score, even though the data is not very good at collecting how good of a quality chance that chance is, but yeah. I'm, I'm willing to give the benefit of the doubt and say that they're just giving up way too quality, high quality chances to the wrong players as well. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. That, going, going back to that Ovechkin analysis is, you know, the, I don't know how much you know about expected goals. Um, but it, it's expected goals is a good metric because it takes into account a lot of things. It's not just putting a rating on the shot. It's putting a rating on how, how good quality that chance is, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, like we go back to the Ovechkin example, he doesn't need a high-quality chance to score. So if getting back to the Carey Price thing here is like 
maybe the Habs are not prepared well enough for the game. Maybe they're not playing the best player against. They're, they're not covering the best players well enough. Well, you know, Ovechkin. Well, Ovechkin always seems to be open, so it doesn't really matter who's covering him. Like <laughs> yeah. to to this day. I don't understand how he gets wide open three times a game, but uh, yeah. and usually scores in every single one of them. Uh, yeah. Again, I that's uh, I don't know. Hopefully, Cole Caulfield will be the same way. Hopefully. Yeah, let's hope. And I don't know. So that that's your program. Uh, check it, everyone. Check it out. It's called Versus, correct? Yes. Sure, I'm right. It's called Versus, and you can get it on any platform. Although you did tweet the other day, it's not very great on smartphones. Yeah, there's two versus. There's one that does the teams, and that works well on uh, smartphones, uh, laptops, and tablets and computers. The the new player one that I just uh, launched a few weeks ago works well on the laptop and and stuff. But the smartphone it's having trouble on there. So hopefully you can get a hold of a tablet or a computer to to look it up. All right, perfect. Okay, moving on. So you're a you're you're a Habs fan, right, Jason? I am a Habs fan, yes. Okay, because I know you're right for Boston, so I don't make sure you're. <laughs> uh, what do you think happens? Uh, let's. I just want to know if you want to have a discussion on what do you think is going to happen this year at the trade deadline, or, or have you heard anything? Have you heard any whispers in the air, or or what do you? Who do you think is going to go? Who do you think is going to stay? Yeah, if you're asking me to predict uh, how, th- like I'm, I've, I've got no insider knowledge, um, but if I can just, you know based on what Bergevin has done in the past and what he's tendency to do is uh, he, I see him as a kind of a play it safe um, general manager. He yeah, works yeah. around the weeds, so he's not going to, he's going to try to move out the uh, guys like Thompson, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, who else is an unrestricted free agent that, Oh, a Scandella. Um, I can see him moving, two to three pieces. It's the deadline's never as big as we always think it is. Right. So, um, if you think he's going to move three, he might move one. Right. All right. With the trade deadline coming up, uh, Jason, uh, I know you're, you're a Habs fan over a Bruins fan, even though we, you're right for both. That against you. Uh, <laughs> what's your expectations in the upcoming trade? Deadline. So what what do you think is going to happen, or who do you think is going to be moved out, or do you think there there's going to be any moves? Yeah, I mean, for the Habs, um, I think even the guys on TSN, and we all kind of get caught up in uh, the trade bait board and all that kind of stuff. Um, but in reality, it's always a lot less activity. And I, I foresee Bergevin being pretty uh, conservative. Um, it would, you know... Um, Petrie's on the the trade board, which kind of surprises me, the TSN trade board a bit. Maybe there's something insider that they know that the rest of us obviously don't know. Um, but For me, when it, when it comes to Petrie and Tatar, I I don't see them going this year, especially if Montreal wants to make the playoffs next year. Uh, but, like, yeah, maybe they know something we don't. I mean, McKenzie and Dreger and them seem to know more than we do, so who knows? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, right? It's like, if they traded Pete, like especially Petrie for me, that that would leave a massive hole. Um, yes. And um, you know, replacing a defenseman that does that that much on a team. No offense against Tatar, even though he's the he's their premier forward right now. It's just so much difficult, more difficult to to uh, replace a defenseman. 
But that being said, I mean, if he's on the trade board, it's interesting. Like, there, we never know what's behind the scenes, right? Did did he ask for a trade, or uh, did did they talk to the agent and the the you know extension wouldn't look good? These are the kind of things that we don't know. That maybe those insiders know a bit. Um, and if he did move, I'm I'm thinking it's a pretty big haul. I know. Well, especially with a year on his contract, if he and Montreal drafting in Montreal next year, I would see a first coming back, or at least Montreal would want a first coming back if they're going to give up Petrie now. Because, like you said, who replaces them? We're already got a big hole on the left side. Who replaces that big hole on the right side? Now you're, you're you kind of have two big holes on defense going forward. Yeah, exactly. And whoever. If they were going to trade for him, if another team was going to trade for him, I mean, yeah, they get a whole other year. They get negotiating after that. And you're talking about a bona fide top-end defenseman. They, those guys don't, you know, fall off trees. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. so definitely. And if he's leave, if, if Bergevin was to trade him, you would think that it was not because he wanted to. It was because he couldn't, he couldn't resist the haul. Uh, right. And, 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 and we know from the past, uh, Bergevin's, um, Bergman's pretty good at trading. He's pretty good at getting what he wants in a trade. Uh, we've seen that with the Suzuki trade, the Galchenyuk trade, the Deneau trade. So yeah. I, I, I'm kind of with you on this one. I, I don't see Petrie moving. Only because with this reset, I see Montreal being a, uh, a wanting to make the playoffs next year. Much like they did this year, but I think... It, they may have a better chance depending on off-season moves and everything. Uh, but uh, now with uh, Scandella and Kovalchuk and that, sure, I can see them going. And maybe the entire fourth line, like Wheel and Thompson and Cousins or something. But that's yeah. what I see. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And, and um, I mean, the trouble becomes when you start launching these guys for nothing – you know, the only thing you're recouping is their cap value, right? Off the, you know, so like Thompson for sure, you know, Scandell, I don't know how much they really like that guy, but, but maybe they could re-sign him, right? And if they trade him and then sign him in the summer. Um, that's kind of, that's kind of a lot of talk with Kovalchuk that people, because Kovalchuk has said he wants to be a, uh, play for a cup. He wants to win a cup. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe they trade him to a cup contender and he resigns in the off season and kind of is the insurance for Caulfield or insurance for, you know, someone who gets hurt, which we didn't have this year when everyone ended up getting hurt. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would have been nice to get him a little bit earlier actually. Right. Yeah. It would like uh Lori, I actually said on my toxic Tuesday show, because I didn't really agree with her at first, and then afterwards I was like, maybe you're right, Lori. Maybe we should have got him two weeks earlier. <laughs> yeah. I mean, because if you if we even won half of the 16 games they lost in their two eight game lose streaks, we're in second place in the Atlantic. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Instead of what yeah. 11, 11 points out or 12 points out, whatever we are now. Yeah. But yeah. I can, it, of a like a, of a big uh, movement, I could see Tatar going definitely before uh, Petrie. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, because of the again, it would have to be something that he couldn't turn down, right? Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I personally, I don't see either one of them going. I, I see Kovalchuk, Scandella, and like Weiss, Thompson, uh, or Wheel, Thompson, and uh, Cousins. Yeah. Uh, maybe not so much Wheel. I don't know what value. And 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 the the only thing I I don't like or 
like about it, I guess, is I don't see what they're going to really get for them. Like, Kovacek may haul them a third round. But like, everyone thinks he's going to get a second round pick or something, but I, I don't see it being that high. Uh, yeah. Uh, GMs are going to look at it the entire season, not just with, with Montreal. So, yeah. Yeah, the uh, trade. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. And I, that, that's what it becomes. It becomes, do you bother trading Cousins for a fifth round or sixth round pick? Like, right? Especially when we already have, what, 11 picks in this draft or something like that? Like, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's, uh, but the, the the trade deadline's a crazy animal, right? It's like it's it, if people run out of if teams run out of uh, players to add, then you know, and Kovalchuk's or Kovalchuk's the last person on the board available. You never know; they might get a second round draft pick for him. Yeah, well, he got more for Placanic at the trade deadline a couple years ago than I thought he'd get there from Toronto. So mm-hmm. you're right. Who knows? Yeah, he's Who good knows? at that. good at that for sure. Yeah. So going forward, we talked about the trade deadline. What? Uh, where do you see the Montreal? Do you see them and do you, do you see this reset working, or do you do you understand why it's called a reset, and not a rebuild? Or uh, uh, what? What? Where, where are you going with that? There's a big thing on Twitter now about people saying he should sell everything off and rebuild. Other people like me who say I get the reset. I, I think what he's doing is on the right path. Where Where do you stand on this? Uh, on this? A debate, I guess, ongoing debate, I guess, on, on, on Twitterverse. Yeah, I mean, it's so easy to be the GM on Twitterverse, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's like, I I think I side more on the, the side of, of uh, teardowns and rebuilds quickly. Uh, I just think there's a natural ebb and flow to the, to the uh, ecosystem of the NHL, you know, and it rewards losers and it rewards winners. If you're stuck in the middle, I just find that that's not a good spot to be um so what that i guess what that boils down it means that i i think that bergevin needs to be more aggressive than he has been uh, okay. whether that's overpaying for free agents when you know not everybody but when he needs to um you know i don't know you look back at that run that they had in was it 2014 yes yeah yeah and, and they got um, all those fourth liners, right? Dwight King and no, that was in 2017. Oh yeah, 14, right. and 14 got Thomas Vanek. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So it's like, did maybe if you could again, obviously hindsight is 2020, mm, but yeah. um, like maybe he should have been more aggressive back then, right? Yeah. Would it have been it made a big difference if he's if he did trade a first rounder and did pick up someone that could have pushed him further and stuff? I just find that. It's not just the Habs. I think the Canadian teams in general, we we don't swing for the fences enough, I think. I think this offseason with the Ajo and the Duchesne and the Gardner, I think he tried. I think he tried to get his, uh, you know, that star player in the offseason that he needed, even though Duchesne and Gardner, I think, were pretty good misses. But, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, I think a lot of people go, well, he should have offered more in the Ajo. And I argue, I don't think Ajo is worth three first round picks, to be honest with you. And he is getting paid nine and a half million dollars. So, or something to that effect. Anyway, you know what I mean? Like, I I think he went that far because he, him and Molson were like, this is all we're paying. This is it. Right. If they, if they, if they match it, great. Um, But I I agree. Like I'm okay with the reset because I think the team, 
as it is now as a playoff team as long as everything plays perfect, mm-hmm. like no injuries and prices on top of his game. And they just need to add depth so that when they do have an injury, you got a player that can step in and maybe not be as good, but, you know, and good enough. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I, I do see the side of the rebuild. I do see where they're like, you know what? We haven't made it. It's going to be four of the last five. Let's just make it not make it for the next six, seven years. And, you know, because that's what will happen, I think, if you get rid of Weber and Price and all those guys. You're looking at another three or four years without the playoffs. Personally, that's my opinion, but yeah. I, I could be wrong. But uh, I, I do see the, the rebuild side. I just think they're in a spot right now where they're close. I think they're trying to be like what Boston did a few years ago, just not as quick. Yeah. Personally. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you the the sport is you know i hate i people hate when stats people say this stuff but it's a it's so much luck right and it's so much timing and you just got to hit everything right you know it's the 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 regular season is really important to not go in massive funks right you just yeah. got to make like i agree with him when when Bergevin says you just got to make the playoffs and then you never know and i i totally believe that yeah um but that's the hard part making the playoffs right yeah exactly and, what you hit on there, the depth part is, is I think it's a big problem. Like at the beginning of the season, I think the team thought they had enough depth. I think the fans thought they had, like I thought they had enough depth. TS, when you listen to TSN 690, they're like, oh yeah, look at this, we got these guys, and then it, it kind of fell off, right? When Druin got hurt, and and so what is what needs to happen if if I look at lessons learned as as if I was around the boardroom with uh, Bergevin, I'd be like, "We they got to be quicker plugging those holes, right? Don't exactly don't, don't wait for the wheels to fall off. Go trade a second round. Like I mean, this sounds crazy, but if you want to make the playoffs, you have to somehow fill, you know, get get your cold chuck to fill out uh, Druin's spot. If your backup is not working out, don't wait a month until you've got eight losses in a row. Like they got to do something. They got to plug those holes." Yeah. No, and I I totally agree with that. Uh, he he, I think he thought he could do it, and the players would come back, and he could do it. And of course, we get two eight loot game losing streaks, and all hope is lost. <laughs> yeah, it's too, it really is too bad because the team yeah. is like, you know, like I I think I I criticize Bergevin a lot, but there's a lot of stuff I like about him, and, and like I do like the players he acquires. Like they're they seem to be hardworking. Uh, good people you like to cheer for a team like that right yeah i mean even in their their eight game losing streak the last one they, they were in every game they, they could have easily won every game and it, it just didn't go their way yeah no exactly so. ah well <laughs> jason i want to thank you very much for taking the time to be with us Drake, uh, thanks very much man that was it's yeah. An honor. yeah and uh good luck with versus uh Thank you very much, Shag. Yeah, I'm just going to plug my stuff. You can you can go to uh, www.waveintel.org to access all the free tools uh, like Versus, and uh, you can catch me at Wave Intel on Twitter. Thanks so much, Shag. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Jason. Have a good night. Uh, you know, let's hope the Habs go 31-0 and show yeah, us all the shank. Yeah, crazy run. That would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll see what happens. All right, okay. thank you, and uh, we'll talk again. Cheers. Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem.
Have you ever needed a fragrance that matches your every social media post? Well, if you're on Twitter after dark and feel a little angry, you can wear Fire This fragrance is available on every social media site. Fire On every message board. So when you need to smell like your social media accounts, take a bath in Fire You'll need no other fragrance. And that concludes another episode of Habs Unfiltered. We would like to thank all our listeners, old and new, for joining us. We hope you were informed and entertained. And always remember, if you are talking about it, so are we. I'm Matt Kundle, host of the Sound Off Podcast, the show about podcast and broadcast. Since 2016, we've been speaking with amazing people who have populated your ears for decades. Legendary broadcasters, research wizards, talent experts, podcasters, voice talent, almost 400 stories, all for free. Subscribe or follow the Sound Off Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or at soundoffpodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network.